want to provide a platform so that people can ask the questions they need to ask. That's the voice of Stefan Koenig, CEO of George Medicines, headquartered in London. Listen in now to hear Stefan's thoughts about leadership and how George Medicines is working to extend and improve the lives of people suffering from the world's leading causes of death and disability, including hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and type 2 diabetes. I'm John Simboli. You're listening to BioBoss. Today I'm speaking with Stefan Koenig, CEO at George Medicines, headquartered in London. Welcome to BioBoss, Stefan. Hi, John. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me. look forward to our conversation today. What led you to your role as CEO at George Medicines? I have to say I never really uh, had planned out my career to become a CEO at some point. It was probably just before the pandemic or maybe during the first part of the pandemic that I realized that I'm halfway through my life. I'm at 40 right now. Uh, halfway through my career, and I spent my first uh, the first 20 years of my career working for big organizations um, and big pharmaceutical companies. But I also spent a significant part of of that career living in emerging markets, uh, what we call emerging markets, so countries who have a developing economy, uh, countries who have part of their population living in poverty. And I've seen how inequalities Inequalities truly affect um, people. They affect the lifespan of the people. They affect, um, you know, what what people are striving for, what people are dreaming about. And I felt um, it was time for me to make a step change um, in my career and in my life and really focus um, what I think is the second part of my career now uh, to work on jointly with a group of people to make these inequalities better, to make the world a better place and to offer solutions that would be uh, equally accessible and equally affordable for people around the globe. So this is really what drove me uh, to go over to George Medicines. And it was the desire to build an organization embedded in a different stakeholder network because um, any pharmaceutical, any big pharmaceutical company, as far as I know it, they have their very embedded stakeholder and shareholder network and they have to deliver to certain goals just like we have. But we have shareholders and stakeholders that have different goals, that have the goal of, you know, evening these inequalities that exist. And they have also the goal to just bring up um, many low and middle income countries to the same standards of basic healthcare that we enjoy in, in some of the more mature markets. And I could immediately identify with that. It was also, you know, after having built within global companies, uh, teams and, and organizations and, and local, regional, global business units, it was an opportunity again from almost the scratch to build an organization, fill it with the energy and the spirit to, to fight for that, um, I think, noble goal. In that, that moment, that realization that this, this was your calling, this was your next step, had you considered either the other you know, big categories of starting something from scratch, absolutely from scratch, rather than going through the George framework or taking it to a very traditional, large pharmaceutical company. Had either of those options been serious possibilities? Both of them went through my mind. In fact, I was almost about to join another big, big pharmaceutical company when the opportunity opened up at George Medicines. Um, and uh, there was not a lot of sleepless nights that I had in order to trade off between these two opportunities. It was pretty obvious that I wanted to have a, a step change in my career. And um, on the first opportunity that you mentioned, did I ever think about starting a business on my own? A lot. 
but I have to say it needs to come with the right set of um, foundation of opportunity of uh, having a, a you know the, the background of having an idea to start something. I had plenty of friends who taught me we have to start at some point a business, but it was always like what 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 around do we want to build a business? And I suddenly saw it in front of myself with the George Institute and their willingness to build a commercial arm of uh, commercializing and and making finding an application for the inventions the research of the george institute and here we go would you tell me just a little bit more about the george institute as you found it and i know that you've you've helped to you create something that's a new aspect of it or, or a variation on it but as you found it what what was the attraction about the george institute in particular the george institute as an institution i believe has um the key theme of um helping societies and helping the world to strive for uh, equal opportunities and equal access um, and driving research in areas that benefit people, again, an equal equality across, across the globe. And whilst I'm painting with my hands here the picture of the world, I, I do realize that this is a, a huge goal but the institution since its foundation um, two decades ago has been really successful to drive meaningful research in that area a any healthcare any equal healthcare across the world exists of this triage of three different key items it is the quality of care which means the physicians and non-physician care that you have access to um, then it's the treatments and the ease and simplicity and the quality and strength of these treatments. And then lastly is, can I actually access that in, in the part of the world or in the part of a country or a region that I'm living to? And all these three need to come together. So I think ultimately, um, George, the George Institute realized that with all the good research, with all the good care and the capacity and capability building that the Institute has done, they won't be able to drive that unless they're taking this last step in terms of really offering and if you want commercializing, although I don't like that term commercializing, um, whilst it clearly is a commercialization, we make the drug available through known distribution and some new distribution channels. Um, they realized they couldn't get there without without that last step. And um, this is why we are here. And this is how I would define the mission of, of George Medicines. And all of that is built on, on novel and, and proprietary both technology and, and research, so I, I want to strengthen that. So it's not just that we go go on and, and copy paste things, but we really strive uh, for using the latest in research. And, and we, we do have an IP strategy that lies behind that. And we do have a proprietary manufacturing uh, strategy. So all of that comes, comes along with the um, research that comes out of the Institute. How did you decide you wanted to lead a biopharma company as opposed to be an important mem member of a biopharma company. Leading one is a big step. I've been in leadership roles before. I've led country organization with you know a couple of hundred employees. I've led, as I said, global business units. But then at the end of the day, you always realize within being forming part of a bigger, bigger organization, whilst it provides a certain comfort level, you always have to adhere to the rules of that organization. And I spoke about the shareholder and the stakeholder framework that this organization lies in. Um, so I think it is really important once you realize that and you realize that you want to step out of that, you can only do that meaningfully once you lead your 
own business. Uh, again, you will have a board to report to, you'll have uh, shareholders and, and people who provide the finances um, that you have to satisfy in inverted commas, if you know what I mean. Um, but it is yet different because you can work with these people, you can compose um, board members and you can just ensure that the company gets a different steer. I think what I'm telling you is, I guess you have more liberty to do that. And once you realize that for fulfilling a certain purpose, you want that liberty, it's a little step to say, from being uh, an, a leader of uh, an important part of an organization to become an enterprise leader, I guess you, you have to take that step. What were you hoping to achieve that could be done at George Madison's and not at another company? I think what we share at the George Institute and at George Madison's is that um, we believe there is a big and huge unmet need. Um, and we found a way and we found the means to Im improve that. Uh, whilst that is not so dissimilar from any big pharmaceutical or care organization, I think what is novel uh, at George Medicines is that um, we have this connection with academia, with early and late stage research, with other pharmaceutical enterprises. So I see us, see us almost sitting in the middle and um, having a discussions and being able to pull different levers and pull in people um, and sitting with this, this di these diverse teams around the table and ideating these solutions. I find that very different than working in a more classic pharmaceutical environment. So I do think there's a, there's a very unique and novel aspect about it. And it ties back to what we think and what we believe our mission is, which is extending and improving the lives of millions of people suffering from the world's leading causes of death and disability. Um, and we want to do that through affordable medicines and through affordable care. And, and I guess that's the key difference. We don't have to fulfill any um, shareholder expectations in the sense of um, ideas that are dilutive to the revenues or dilutive to the, the, the profit of the company, but you can do that with a more free and more open mindset. And this academic angle that we come from provides us an, an optimal, uh, unbiased insight uh, without you know having to take care of many of the other aspects. A classic and also a bigger organization uh, has to take care of. I think it also a lot of the um, value of our organization lies in its very nimble and lean size, and that we've decided on purpose to partner out certain certain items of our business. To what degree is the single pill aspect, maybe it's a better term, a key to making this idea work? The single pill and combination drug therapy is the vehicle that we have identified, John, in order to achieve what I just described as the, as the vision. Um, the single pill uh, offers many benefits in terms of adherence and compliance. But more importantly, it offers a very important efficacy and safety benefit compared to existing therapies at standard dose. The opportunity that you have is that with single pills and through the combination, through the smart combination of different pharmaceutical ingredients into one pill, you can go in with a much lower, if you want, starting dose. Uh, we call that an ultra-low-dose formulation or a low-dose formulation, which usually starts 
with a quarter of the normal standard dose. Um, and if you combine, for example, in our lead candidate, three of the quarter standard doses of three active ingredients that are well known and well studied or best in class, then you actually have a very important efficacy and potentially important safety benefit for patients that take that single agent versus a regular standard dose. But overall, what it does, it offers simplicity for the treating physician and for the healthcare system that is deciding to use these drugs, because by offering more efficacy at a similar or better safety level, it avoids the cycling between the patient and the physician and is going back and forth on finding the right drug or finding the right strength. Um, and it just gets much earlier to efficacious outcomes for the patient. And we also know, just looking at the figures, for example, in terms of how hypertension is treated, that oftentimes this cycling back and forth, this patient-physician dialogue is broken and doesn't happen. And that is true for mature markets uh, with good healthcare systems, as it is true for emerging countries uh, with immature or incomplete healthcare systems. And that that tactic, that path, that mechanism for realizing that vision that you just described, the single dose, was that clear to you coming in as CEO that this was going to be the means to do it? Or is that something that evolved? It was already there, John, when I joined this idea of, of polypharmacy and polymedication and by the right combination achieving what I just described, a simplistic, um, more efficacious and potentially safer approach to treatment. Um, and I think what we will see is that this will evolve over the years as well with George Medicines. All of our products at this moment that are in clinical stage development or that in the pipeline are based on that approach. So it's quite fundamental to what we do at this moment. But as I said, it's a vehicle for me. Um, in the future, I'm not excluding that we'll find different vehicles that are equally as um, paradigm changing as, as this combination product theory at a low dose, an ultra low dose that I was just describing. For now and for the foreseeable future, it is it is certainly where George Medicine's heritage is built on. And I think this is also how we are going to deliver on on key aspects of our vision and mission. As as the CEO of a company, what do you do? I want to provide a platform so that people can ask the questions they need to ask. I want to provide a platform for a you know, having diverse, uh, diverse thoughts and diverse opinions and diverse access to different sources of, of information, uh, so people can excel in um, living living their their dreams and living their almost living their living their thoughts, um, and then at the same time, once I provide that platform, I provide um, as part of the platform the guardrails that keeps people within a certain frame that sometimes can be wider and sometimes it can be narrower. It keeps keeps people within that, that framework of, you know, ensuring that we deliver to the end result, which is the, you know, the vision and the mission that we have as a company of providing accessible combination products uh, for improving, you know, non-communicable diseases and how, how these diseases are being treated around the world. So it's a platform for people to live out their ideas. And I think what really, what really motivates people is that they see they, they, can, they can own something. They have a baby 
they can develop that further within these guardrails. And this gives you the ultimate um, sort of um, motivation and, and impact from people. And especially when you speak about, you know, academic scientists, these people are all driven by an idea. And if you fit these people within this, this platform and this framework, um, I think that's what, what we ultimately do as leaders of a company. We provide both the diversity, the chaos, but we also provide the guardrails in order to make this chaos a useful and meaningful chaos for society. How do you go about being collegial and still making the decisions you have to make? I oftentimes am not the subject matter expert, so I'm oftentimes not the right person to take a specific decision. Oftentimes you need experts, you need teams, you need people who look at things from diverse viewpoints. So what I want to do is I see myself as a facilitator. I see myself as who is um, chairing these conversations, who is leading these conversations so that people can actually express and they people I can just get the best expertise out of people. And in many occasions, uh, surprisingly, you actually arrive not always at a consensus, but you arrive at a very clear path forward when you facilitate these conversations right. So I see myself as a facilitator in the day-to-day -day of these conversations that allow us to come with a, with, a, with a decision. Rarely, I mean, there's certainly a few con decisions and, you know, sometimes the buck just stops with the CEO, I know that. But on the flip side, I don't see, think this is the, these are the most important, strategically the most important decisions, but these are oftentimes operative decisions that you have to take, be it a salary raise or be it, or, you know, be it any, you know, be it something else that is more of tactical nature. But I think on the big strategic decisions, it is truly the facilitation of a dialogue of experts um, that um, arrive, have, me, have me and have the organization arrive at a certain decision point. Can you remember when you were a boy, when you were maybe eight or nine or 10, something like that, and you were working through that process of what do I want to be when I grow up, which for most of us is, I wonder what my parents want me to be when I grow up. That, can you remember what that image was and does it have anything to do with what you're doing now? You know, I was quite interested in, in all kind of technical solutions and in physics um, during my, my, my sort of uh, school years. And I always wanted to become an inventor. And I didn't exactly know what an inventor means. Of course, inventor is not a profession per se. Um, I don't think you can probably even make a living on being just an inventor. Some do, but most of them probably don't. But I think what it tells me today, looking back, what this idea of being inventor or becoming an inventor is actually, it's about creating a meaningful solution that is usable for societies at large. Um, to improve or solve a solution, uh, solve, sorry, solve a problem. Um, so an inventor, in other words, contributes by solving a challenge. And I think this is what drove me, um, apart from all the technical aspects that would interest me, but I think this is what really drove me to, to become an inventor. And in that sense, I don't think this has changed over the course of my career, not now, not on what I did previously working for other companies and other businesses. I think ultimately what you do is you try to understand what a, what a problem setting is, what a challenge is, and you try to solve for that in the best possible way. And, uh, and you try to offer a solution or you try to offer that may be a product, that may be a service, that may be uh, you know, something that helps to overcome that obstacle. I think that's what inventors ultimately do. 
sometimes it includes uncovering that there's actually a need. Uh, but oftentimes the need is, is, is quite obvious if you look at the data sets from the right perspective or the right angle. Um, and I think this has been driving me since since then probably. And, and there are different ways, different inventors, I think, as you can be an economist, you can be uh, a, phys a physician, a physicist, you could, you know, you have all kinds of different um, professions that actually are quite inventive and focus on, on providing a, a problem solution. In my experience, there are meetings where you as the CEO can describe what the company is about in, in the same kind of way that you're doing with me right now, in which a certain percentage of people will understand what you said and will say, let's talk later. I think there might be a fit. A certain percentage will say, I've understood what you say. We're not just the right ones for you or for each other. The third group will say, I think I've understood what you've said. And you'll realize by what they say, no, that's not what I was going for. They went somewhere else with the concept I was trying to go forward with. Uh, and, and in my experience, that, that can sometimes fall into some some categories, some patterns. So that what I'm trying to ask is when people don't get the story right, when they bring their own perceptions to it and it's not the one you're intending, what do they tend to hear and how do you get them back on track? One misconception that we have often um, when I speak to people is, uh, oh, you are the polypill maker. The polypill maker, and you may have heard about the polypill, is a probably now 10-year-old concept of combining uh, different um, antihypertensives, um, anti-plot clotting agents, and um, statins for controlling lipids into one single pill. It was thought to be a treatment that could potentially extend people's lives, as well as it could improve the quality of, of years that would people have to live. But it was a, thought as a preventative ther therapy. So the only indication that was really out there for the polypill was age. Um, and it's a concept that was tested academically and in many studies, it actually proved to be successful, but it never turned to be successful in a commercial or even non-commercial setting. And, and whilst the academic results have been widely accepted by the community, there was never any net benefit or never, never any net effect in, in healthcare systems using the polypill approach. And that is for two reasons. One is the polypill didn't really work on changing the dosing regimens of the ingredients. And then secondly, the polypill wasn't really targeted towards solving an actual health problem. It was just a preventative medicines. And this idea of prevention in medicine is something that is very difficult and very hard to transmit. What I'm always telling people is we are not a, the polypill company when it can't when they're going down that path. I think this was what where you was heading where you sorry where you were heading to. We are not a polypill company in the sense of we are not trying to combine just different ingredients uh, that are well known in order to prevent the onset of health problems. What we are trying to do is to find best-in-class ingredients that by a combination of best-in-class ingredients achieve a certain desired health outcome for a specific disease problem or for for a specific disease challenge. Um, and this is how we've developed, for example, our lead, lead product candidate, which is a, a, a pill of antihypertensive medications targeted to resolve very specific you know, blood pressure challenges. So one 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 category is you know saying George Medicine is George Medicines is a polypill company. Another one is um, saying 
oh, George Medicines is an emerging market company who intend to be selling and marketing their drugs in low and middle income countries to ensure that these patients get access to medicines and to healthcare as well. Also not true because we have the vision and the idea and the means to play equally in mature markets as well as in emerging markets because it's utterly wrong to say that, for example, the care of hypertension is well controlled and is well placed in mature markets versus emerging markets. If you just look at the US, for example, over half of, of the people who know that they have hypertension live with a disease and they have not that disease under control. Half of the US patients don't have well-controlled blood pressure who know that they have a, a blood pressure problem. And then if you look at the inequalities, even within the US, or you could go to the UK um, just for changing the setting, you have from one, one postcode of a city let's take London, for example, to the other end of London, or maybe to the center of London, you have a difference in life expectancy driven by cardiovascular disease of about 10 years. Within the same country, under the same, you could say, NHS, healthcare, um, broad circumstances, you have 10 years difference in life expectancy of people just by looking at, at patient records from a zip code, a, a postcode perspective. And, you know, so our treatments are equally important for emerging countries who oftentimes to have a, a need to move faster and more decisively than mature markets. But the inequalities exist in, in mature markets and the challenges exist equally in the mature markets as they exist in, in emerging countries for cardiovascular diseases. So that's one of the sort of biggest learnings I think we are just uncovering as a society as we speak about that. We've just had a few days back if World Heart Day and at World Heart Day they, we uncovered every every year we, we observe World Heart Day, we uncover a wealth of new information and we uncover a wealth of new challenges as we look into data sets better with artificial intelligence, with digital means, we uncover every day more in terms of what we need to get right to treat what is still the biggest killer of people. It's not cancer, it's actually cardiovascular diseases. A, there's a multitude of factors in there, of course, John. There is education, uh, which oftentimes, it, you know, higher education levels of, of oftentimes leads to different lifestyles. It leads to different um, checkups and you know, patient-physician conversation to that, and it leads to better adherence and compliance. So there's a multitude of things in there, and I'm acutely aware we can only, with our treatments that we offer, um, try to solve for parts of these. But then we are part of a bigger stakeholder network um, where I said this triage of, of, of the three different elements that make good healthcare, um, you know, we offer, we want to be part of a, of a team and we want to be a team player working with institutions that help to measure, to access, to treat patients adequately. How does the pipeline express the vision that you have for the company? So the pipeline that we are building is focusing on trying to understand what are the biggest health issues that we observe as a global society. And when I say global society, I truly mean this as a global society. So if we really take this step back, we look across countries and continents in order to understand what are the biggest health challenges that we have. 
which are the health challenges that are evolving and developing and growing, um, and, and which are ultimately the, the biggest ones that need to be, to be tackled. This has led us in our first drug candidate to tackling cardiovascular disease, one specific aspect of cardiovascular disease, which is hypertension, uncontrolled hypertension, which has many, um, many facets uh, to it. Um, so we ultimately, when we do that, and we, when we prioritize, and we're just going through a big pipeline prioritization process over at George Medicines, is we try to understand what's the impact observed in qualities and we use other measures like patient years of, of life impacted. What's the impact that we can have to a global society with ter therapy X versus, versus therapy Y versus therapy Z? So that is key for us and is almost has become a hurdle. If we don't meet a certain threshold, it, it's you know we're almost not going further on a, on a given on a given idea. And I think this is also what makes us different over at George Medicines is that we ask ourselves the question first: What are the biggest problems to address? Not where's the most money that we could be making. What are the biggest problems that we um, want to address versus um, where do we have the best solution that we can offer? And then we go deeper and we try to understand what are the academic research that we have available for for a given you know for a given outcome what's new at george medicines and what is new is that we for the first time had an opportunity based on the financing from a venture capitalist to run that global phase three trial that is targeting the fda submission what is also new is um that we have for the first time really gone through a rigid process of pipeline prioritization, where we had an opportunity to look and try to figure out which are our most promising product ideas, where we have the best global impact to healthier societies, true to our vision, and which are the next candidates that deserve to go through a similar development pathway. Do you allow yourself at this point to think, if this comes along the way I hope that it will, we're actually going to change people's lives in a profound way? I envisage together with my teams daily almost in terms of what is what would happen if that drug finally hits a given market and how could we change the standard of care in that market as well because in medicine it takes multiple parts and I spoke about the triage of you know three different elements at least that need to happen in healthcare which is measuring treating caring um, and accessing it finally if you want to add that first the fourth piece on um, and we envisage that daily as we go and run clinical trials in country settings where we compare, for example, a given therapy from George Medicines versus the standard of care. Because we want to understand how are we, well, we want to understand how is our treatment doing versus a given standard of care, be it in the US, be it in the UK, or be it in Nigeria, or be it in Sri Lanka. And we've been able to run some of these studies. Example, we ran a trial in Sri Lanka versus the local standard of care. And you wouldn't think how good actually the local standard of care is in Sri Lanka. It's pretty comparable to what we do in the UK. And the standard of care in Nigeria is not so dissimilar to what's what's in how hypertension is being treated in France. Um, you wouldn't be surprised because most of the treatments in hypertension are widely available. They are off patent at this moment. They're relatively accessible. But still, though, as I discussed, you need a different angle in terms of how to treat 
hypertension, and not only hypertension, but other big non-communicable diseases appropriately. So we ask ourselves these questions, I would say, I would say daily, and we try to keep very much in touch with prescribers, with not only key opinion leaders, but the actual prescribers, which oftentimes is a primary care physician. We have in our team, a lot of former and still currently practicing primary care physicians who sometimes come from these countries, which is a great advantage in working in the broader setup of the George Institute as well, because we have, we source our talent from, from these countries oftentimes, uh, where we want to make the biggest differences. It is not just the US or not academic institutions in the UK, but it's um, the lead for our Africa programs comes straight from Nigeria, for example. Um, the lead for some of our um, Southeast Asian programs comes from Sri Lanka. And here we go. I mean, we have these people who've worked as a physician in these countries and they help us not only to understand, but they do help us to keep us true to our mission as well of what our products can be doing in these kind of settings. Interestingly, although you would think about for example, hypertension or diabetes as largely solved problems, they're actually not solved. Whilst the treatments and the solutions may be out there, they're either underused, they're not well understood. So we have to take and bring that to a different level. And we have to offer faster, easier to use, to use solutions for adequately tackling these, these challenges. And I think you're completely right when you say um, with the products that George Medicines intends to offer, you can both achieve the magnitude as well as you can achieve the, um, the depth, if you want, of an improvement. But if you think about the global society as one society for just a moment, going back to understanding what are the biggest, specifically to healthcare, because that's the industry, that we play, and these are the solutions that we offer for the challenges that exist. What are the biggest challenges that we face as a global society? And, and there's, there are many, but there's, there's a few things that impact people on a global scale. Um, and quite honestly, we spoke a lot about these diseases. It's non-communicable diseases. You just go through the statistics and you see very easily, it is cardiovascular diseases that need to be improved. It is diabetes that needs to be improved. And then, for a long time comes nothing and then there's a few communicable infectious diseases that, that come on top of that. And I think is a global one society, as one world, and it sounds very idealistic and I, by no means I want to want to be as idealistic, but if you really want to understand what the, globe, the global society as, as a whole is suffering from, you need to tackle these things first and then you need to delineate and need to understand what is driven by inadequate care, what's driven by inadequate treatment, and what is driven by inadequate access. And in each of these, these things, you will find items that, are fun, that require fundamental step change. Now, we as George Medicines can only do so much. And I spoke about the importance of a team of care and about access, which we will be difficult to address all of these. But what we can offer is we can offer better therapies that hit on these goals to improve the big challenges that we have as a global society. And we can help a bit as well with access because, as I said, we are for profit in mature markets, but we are certainly for non-profit in the, in the low and middle income countries, where most of uh, our, our friends of, of a global society sit. And I think this is where we really want to drive a step change. Thanks for speaking with me today, Stefan. 
it was a pleasure, um, enlightening conversation, and I, uh, I hope we'll be able to meet again soon. Thanks for having me. In his role as CEO of George Medicines, Stefan Koenig unites two aspects of leadership, his passion for addressing unmet societal needs and his experience serving people who live in countries with developing economies and health systems. These two qualities come together as Stefan describes his lifelong interest in being an inventor. As he Riley notes in our conversation, inventor is not really a vocation, but inventing and leading are two sides of the same coin for Stefan. His leadership at George Medicines is closely tied to his quest to invent practical ways to improve medical outcomes by developing and delivering affordable medicines to people around the world. Stefan describes his leadership approach as a facilitator who has the skill to direct the process of ideation, assembling diverse teams, working through different points of view to arrive at the most effective answer to a given problem. To make this happen, Stefan works on building a platform where, as he says, people are encouraged to express their opinions and live out their ideas. He takes pride in leading teams of experts where people draw motivation from realizing they can own something. As Stefan said to me, sometimes the solution to a problem becomes quite obvious when you look at the data sets from the right perspective. Stefan's focus on creating meaningful solutions is a match to the mission of George Medicines. Their goal is to not only develop medicines, but also to optimize access to treatment for people who suffer from common but debilitating diseases, including hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and type 2 diabetes, and to help them live their dreams. Stefan sums this up when he says, if you think about the global society as one society, that's where we play. I'm John Simboli. You're listening to BioBoss.